a greyhound to the county line. She's reading Marx and Lenin all the time. She says, Jesus freak, you're such a fool. I say, Satan loves you, thinks you're cool. She's a socialist of the highest degree. I'm a communist. Her mother hates me. You're an anarchist. You don't want anything from me. I'm a Satanist. At least that's what I think I might be. At least that's what I think I might be. We danced until the sun was gone. That's Asher. And that's Vix. And this is Speak of the Devil. We pulled it the fuck off. Yes, we did. Just like we do every time we're actually in the same room. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> yes, we're also recording in beautiful stereo today because we are not recording via Zencaster, which only gives us mono audio. Mm-hmm. And you're hearing my voice sounding somewhat more like a human voice instead of a weird fucked up robot because... Uh, Vix bought me this beautiful microphone just for the podcast, and my shitty laptop has refused to acknowledge its existence no matter what I do this entire time. So, yeah. We'll sort it out eventually. <laughs> we're, we're getting better at this. Mm, slowly but surely. Yes. So, today's episode is, you know, a subject very close to our hearts. Something that, you know, really, deeply, it's Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. We need to talk about Jesus. We do need to talk about Jesus. And uh, it would be sort of fair to ask yourself, why is the Satanic Podcast talking about Jesus? Um, If you're like us, maybe you came to Satanism to get a little bit away from Jesus, even. Yep. Um... So this may not be your favorite subject, but we think that it's very important to talk about Jesus for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, my main agenda in this episode is to try to give a coherent explanation of why I just don't like him. Yep. Um, one that is, in my case, biblically based. Mm-hmm. Um, Vix has some other points of view to bring in. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to discuss um, a little bit so I want to discuss a little bit about the idea that, like, the historical Jesus is this cool guy and that if we could only get back to him suddenly Christianity would be a magical, fuzzy, happy, lovely Mm -hmm. um, thing. And the thing is, number one, we know next to nothing about the historical Jesus. There is very little. Like, we know he was a guy, and we know he was crucified, and that he was a Nazarene, and that his mother was probably called Mary, and he was baptized by John the Baptist. That's about what we have. Um, we also, it's fairly likely that he was an Essene, and that means that he didn't believe in pooping on the Sabbath. So, there's that. (laughs) Um, I have sources. It's in the Dead Sea Scrolls. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And Vix, thank you for the research that you've been doing in preparation for this episode. Thank you. While I took forever just to slog through, you know, the four canonical gospels. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you had to read the actual canonical gospels, which I think I would have taken at least as long. Yeah, it was it was tough going for me. Um, I'm not going to say that there's not some entertainment value to some of it, mm-hmm. but not that much. <laughs> and, yeah. And honestly, I, I, I'm glad I did this because I came out of this, you know, it was kind of an opportunity for me to confirm to myself that Jesus is not so much for me. And yep. that definitely happened. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do you want me to talk a little bit more about, like, 
sort of Jesus as he has been read and why that's important because well no I'd love to hear a little bit more of your thoughts on historical Jesus and just kind of on the context of even trying to talk about this guy okay um well I think that basically as interesting as knowing about the historical Jesus is I'm far more interested in Jesus the Christ than Jesus the man because Jesus the Christ and the figure of Jesus as he's been built up by the various strains of Christian tradition is the Jesus that's had the immense massive effect on the world Mm -hmm. um, over you know centuries millennia now um (laughs) i know grim right it 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 does kind of bother me it's uh, (laughs) it's a little depressing um and so you know we have well you know more than a thousand years of this asset getting close on two thousand years of this asset Mm -hmm. um and you know like 1600 years of him being real popular um and you know obviously the jesus the christ is fairly disconnected from jesus the man jesus the man probably wasn't trying to found a religion separate from judaism and also thought the apocalypse was coming real soon yeah that's something i'm gonna get into um even just in reading the gospels yeah um, and so he was a first gen- century Jewish apocalypticist, the historical Jesus. And while interesting, he actually doesn't matter to the social effect of Christianity all that much. And I don't think, um, like I was listening to a wonderful course by Professor Luke Timothy Johnson. And he was talking about how often people, when they search for the historical Jesus, are looking for a usable Jesus, like they were looking for you know, an enlightened guy in the Enlightenment. Revolutionaries want a revolutionary Jesus. Mm-hmm. Conservatives want a conservative Jesus. And the thing about being a first century Jewish apocalypticist is you're not really any of those things. You want nope. the liberation of Israel from the Romans and, you know, people not to divorce, but also, like, the morality involved is so blue and orange compared to what we experience and what we think of as sort of the political poles of modernity that like interpreting what he would think about issues in the modern world is like nigh impossible because his situation is actually just that different from ours Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and again also he isn't the one that has had an effect people are interested in jesus the christ not jesus the man as much as they want to pretend they're interested in jesus the man well they want to pretend that they're the same yes. or you know it's kind of obligatory to the faith to try to believe that they're the same unless and you're that... a catholic in which case it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> really that's weird yeah no they like they're at least the more academic type of catholic they're like the tradition is what matters and the Jesus of theology is what matters because the history of spirituality can actually be somewhat separated from the history of like empirically verifiable reality, which I think is interesting. It is interesting. It just, it surprises me that they would take that position. I mean, they also are pro evolution. Like the Catholics, are also kind of blue and orange because they're actually kind of a medieval institution. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, fair enough. Yeah, no. Like, they, they are in some ways super evil, but, like, they accept evolution. And so that doesn't make them good. Yeah. It just makes them accept evolution. I, I think we can yeah. probably avoid anti-clericism in this episode. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just still mad about that article about the New York Catholic yeah yeah there's been some stuff in the news lately and about them doing awful things to children and yeah you know we've talked about this before we'd really like it guys if you'd stop doing that molesting children and basically doing all the stereotypical shit that people think satanists do yeah no like anyway you shouldn't have to have us tell you this right you're in real trouble when satan satanists are being like your good conscience yeah i mean then again i think satanists should be well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah just saying okay yeah look we're getting on uh, super yeah. tangenty yes <laughs> yes 
so basically we're talking about how historical Jesus is we don't even really know and um, probably pretty irrelevant to today and to religion. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about various fun heresies, readings I, of Jesus? Yeah. I mean, okay, so I mean, there have obviously been a lot of readings of Jesus. There's, you know, the Gnostic Jesus who brings the knowledge that the physical world doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. um, and that you should definitely not fuck, even though the physical world doesn't matter at all. <laughs> um, which is a little weird. Um, you know, there's the Jesus of um, medieval Europe, who is, you know, a figure who is in many ways about, like, suffering and penitence and intense ritual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is the Jesus of, you know, the Protestant Reformation, who is compared, like, supposed to be rational and not superstitious, and <laughs> opposed to the sort of excesses and luxury of the church. Um, and so it, you know, there have been a ton of Jesuses. And of course, there's the Jesus of the early church, who is fundamentally very much based in the exper the religious experience. You know, in certain ways, like the Pentecostals are kind of doing it a little bit right um, mm -hmm. in that respect. If you want early church Christianity, what you want is a lot of table fellowship. You do want the Eucharist, but the Eucharist is an actual meal. And you want, like speaking in tongues and yeah, charismatic shit yeah basically yeah. um and then we have a, like there are a lot of christologies and christology is actually a huge branch of the western intellectual tradition which i would like if we're going to get a little technical here i would argue that the philosophy of christianity which of course is influenced heavily by platonism and aristotelian uh philosophy led to like Cartesian dualism um, which led to the mind-body problem which we're still wrestling with mm -hmm. um, I hope that wasn't like too obscure it was comprehensible to me uh -huh. but that doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't too obscure okay <laughs> I, I could possibly cut that if it needs to be cut no um, I think it's fine continue okay. Um, but, you know, uh, basically Christ has, according to pretty much all mainstream branches of, um, Christianity, two natures. He is both fully human and fully divine in one person. Uh, like me. Yeah. Well, like all of us, according to us. Well, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I described it as being like being a lawyer and a homeowner, there's actually nothing contradictory about being fully human and fully divine. Um, but, you know, there is Arianism, which suggests that Jesus was, in fact, not divine, um, and that he was created by the Father um, and had a beginning in time, because one of the other important things about the Christology of mainstream Christianity is that Christ is co-equal and co-eternal with God, mm. God the Father, because he is God also. Which, honestly, in the yeah. Gospels, as we'll see later, they don't yeah. really fully get to that until John. Yeah, no, it, there's actually an evolution of the Christology, because Mark, Mark's, not Mark's, but Mark's Christology <laughs> um, is an adoptionist Christology in which Jesus becomes the Son of God in his death. Mm -hmm. um, or at least that's sort of implied to be the case Yeah. Um, and they just kept moving it earlier back because it was then like at his baptism and then at his birth and then and then John's all in the beginning there was the word Yep. and yeah that's trippy sounding but what it actually means is that yeah you know we're basically retconning back to Genesis 1 yes. and be like Jesus was there yep as a word for some reason. I mean, I, I find the different <laughs> things Jesus is represented as really interesting, and I do find the idea of Jesus as word or as text or as language really interesting. It is interesting, and it's also kind of hilarious if you kind of 
think about that in relation to paying attention more to a, a textual and theological Jesus than to the historical one. Yep. <laughs> Jesus was the word, not the dude. Yeah. Um, and then you have docetism, which is sort of the opposite of Arianism, which is the belief that Jesus's body wasn't real. He was just, that was an illusion, mm -hmm. as was his crucifixion. Um, and these are heresies. Yes, these are heresies. These are not standard Christologies. Yeah. Um, in fact, I believe one docetic gospel has Jesus, like, being off talking to Peter while he appears to be getting crucified. And he's just like, that's not the real me, dumbass. <laughs> that's a hologram. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> and then, of course, there's also the one where he was, like, he was the divine. I can't remember which heresy this is. Um, but there's the one where he, like, God popped into Jesus's body, essentially, um, probably during the baptism, mm -hmm. and then, like, left the Jesus the man to die on the cross while being like, fuck off! Um, and that's why he cries, God, why my god my god why have you forsaken me on the cross anymore? because essentially in that heresy god just like possessed some dude and then when he wakes up he's like getting crucified yes which right. is horrid yeah <laughs> no you can see why that one wasn't super popular yeah because people were kind of like well, fuck that god. yeah it sounds like a dick move yeah i mean not that the god they have isn't a dick but he's less of a dick than that yeah somewhat yes um do you want to go over more heresies in context, or do you want to... Um, I mean, you know, it's important to remember that this is the Roman Empire. It's important to remember that the early Gospels come from a place of not a fully developed theology, and also that they have contradictions with one another because they weren't written in consultation with one another. Mm -hmm. And um, also that thing where people try and claim that Jesus was really into passive resistance because, like, apparently turning the other cheek was super insulting. That's... I found the citation for that. The guy's, like, citation in primary sources is not good. I will try and look that guy up again and put the source in the episode notes. It wasn't. It, I'm pretty sure it was just an encouragement to passivity. Yeah. Rather than passive resistance. Yes. Yeah, and that's um, that's going to be one of my problems with Jesus. Um, so I guess I'll just try to start by giving a an overview of my overall impression of Jesus based on all four of the Gospels, which is hard to do yeah. because they're all weird and fucking contradictory. And wildly different. And wildly different. Um, and... Well, in the case of the Synoptic Gospels, which are, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, mm -hmm. it's kind of the same, but even between those, there's some weird shit. Yeah. And then John Luke is weird. Wait, John Luke? No, not John Luke. John Jesus. Yes. I was, like, thinking of John Luke Picard or something. I'm, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Yes. Gospels of Picard. I, I read that shit. Yeah. Um, Same. Okay. So, Jesus and John is just strange, and John is just strange. Um, mm -hmm. But overall, you get the impression that Jesus um, pretty definitely thinks the world's going to end soon, which is important. Um, mm -hmm. He's... Hmm... Fairly into being pretty fucking passive. Yeah. Um, he is very... He's not into rich people, which is kind of nice. Yes. But it's almost... He's just not into worldly things. Yeah. Um, he's not really into physical existence. Yeah. Um, or one might say being alive on the planet Earth. Yes. Um, he just doesn't think that that's that great for any anyone. Which, if you're going to be, you know, a prophet of doom... Is a fairly reasonable... It's fairly reasonable. I mean, honestly, a lot of this um, 
is really typical Prophet of Doom stuff, which shouldn't be surprising because a lot of them kind of take their cues from Jesus. Yeah. But, you know, one story that I've been thinking about a lot, yeah. actually, I, I think I'll just start with this as my first specific citation. Yes. Because it's on my mind at the moment. Yes. Um, let's see. So, there's this thing happening around Matthew uh, 1916. It's also in Luke in another spot. Mm -hmm. But um, there's this young guy, basically, who comes to Jesus and is just like, how do I be, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Um, and he has this discussion with Jesus mm -hmm. about how to get to heaven, how to be a good person. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, well, have you been keeping these commandments? Okay, that's good. And the young man's like, well, I've done all those things. Um, what else should I do? And Jesus said unto him at Matthew 19, 21, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, you know that yeah. eye of a needle camel thing? It's kind of cool. It's like, sounds like fuck rich people. But the context on that is Jesus basically being like, sell all your belongings and join my cult. Yeah, which is a little eerie. It is a little eerie. Um, and there's a fair amount of that kind of sentiment with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and he, I think we have this, like, a lot of, like, liberal or even kind of lefty people have this idea that, like, Jesus himself was, like, a cool guy. And it's like, he maybe was a cult leader a little bit. Possibly more than a little. Yeah. Um... And, like, so the question of Jesus's humility and sort of meekness and mildness yeah. is another thing that, like, it's sort of there in the Gospels, but it's also sort of not. Um, yeah. Because a lot of the time he's telling his disciples and he's telling the people to be humble and to be meek and mild and to not judge, but he's Jesus. Yes. So he kind of doesn't really have to do that himself all the time yes and he gets to be judgmental and he gets to say like you're not getting into heaven yes and actually that reminds me of mm -hmm. a thing from um stuff i was reading about um is that so other jewish teachers would be like and you know samuel said in book blah 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 of book you know mm -hmm. in passage blah 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 book blah 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 um and jesus says and I say, and there are actually stories of, like, people getting, like, kicked out of rabbinical councils for saying, I say. Mm. Mm. Because that's not a thing you do. And so suggesting that you can say, I say, is putting yourself very high up. Yeah. Um, that's another thing about the Gospels, is it really kind of is this conflict between mainly Jesus and the Jewish establishment. Yes. And lots of people like to be like, oh, anti-imperial rebel Jesus. But in the Gospels, there's not a lot of that. Yes. Not even really in Luke, which is supposed to be the one that has the most. Yes. Um, there's an awful lot of Jesus just kind of, you know, that's cool that you're the son of God and all. But he really comes in and does a bunch of things that Jews are not supposed to do. Yep. And then gets mad at people not just accepting really kind of blasphemous behavior yeah. immediately. Um, you know, there's a... Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact citation and incident, but um, there's a moment when um, Jesus does something on the Sabbath... And, you know, the Pharisees are like, yo, you can't do that. And Jesus yeah. is like, well, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
Yeah. And it's basically just like, I say I can. Um, yeah. So. Was, that's not, because there's a story of that. Of, of there's that. a bunch of times that he does things yes. on the Sabbath, but I'm thinking about the time that his response is, you know, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, because, yeah, I, I, like, the healing stories to me, like, that would be understandable to do on the Sabbath. And also the, like, plucking grains off of things in the field. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm pretty sure that they are written to make the Jewish authorities seem unreasonable. Yes. Um, I think that's true. And and that's another thing about the Gospels. Like, when these were written, anti-Semitism wasn't, like, like, it was kind of punching up, I guess, in the minds of the authors. Yes. Because they're, you know, the rebellious sect that's breaking away yeah. from the more established one. But all of this has flipped around to become... A way to castigate. Yeah. Because, like... Major I, fucking yeah. anti-Semitic ammo in here. And, of course, one of the reasons that they do cast the Jews specifically as the villains as well is because at the time the Gospels were written, they were already getting more Gentile converts. Even though they did still think of themselves as a sect of Judaism, mm. they were really trying to gun for that, like... Hey, Rome, we're cool. We're okay. You don't need to, like, you know, render on Caesar what is Caesar's. That's a later edition. Yeah. Because yeah. they wanted to be like, you know, we'll be good citizens and pay taxes. You don't need to worry about us. Mm-hmm. We blame those darn Judeans and not Pontius Pilate for killing God. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. fact, Pontius Pilate is sainted in certain Eastern churches. Interesting. Yes. Um, yeah, and in... Uh, John, yeah, he goes pretty far trying to kind of like absolve Pilate. Yeah, um, that's a yeah. thing. Yeah, which is weird. Um, there were political reasons to do it. Totally. Makes total sense. Yeah. And I guess like one thing that kind of seems a bit cool and nice about Christianity yeah. Is that, you know, in the Gospels, you start to see this thing with, like, you know, the Good Samaritan and shit. There's, Jesus is extending his teachings to others yeah. than just his own people. Which, you know, seems kind of nice. Like, yeah. if you don't really understand how things work out in reality, that whole, like, chosen people thing can seem a little off-putting. Yes. And so not having that at first, you're like, oh, sweet. Like, this is a little more open and, like, equal-seeming. Yeah. But it just works out to be this really aggressively evangelical religion. Yes. You know, ultimately, that desires to assimilate everyone on the planet. So, you know. That's a little icky. (laughs) It is a little icky. Yep. Um, And, I mean, additionally, I think... There's a quality of, yeah, like, there's a lot of join or die. Mm, yeah, yeah. Which is a little, like, I mean, admittedly, it's not a threat of physical violence. It's a, actually, no, it kind of is, because, like, you're going to be thrown into a pit of fire. Yeah, it's physical violence that, you is know, different. is not going to be carried out necessarily by earthly forces. But it's still yeah. kind of a little bit of protection racket yeah i mean that's true actually and people in the gospels people really start getting threatened with being thrown into pits of fire yeah you know jesus starts saying like that people are gonna end up in the fire pit and that hasn't been much of a thing before then yeah yeah no i mean yeah i do think i mean it's interesting you know Christianity very much is a religion that developed within its context. Mm-hmm. It's actually not. Like, the elements of it aren't unique. It's a specific combination that kind of won and spread. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, one of the things with Judaism during the period was, so, you know, Judea had been occupied by the Romans, and you were essentially having that unpleasant realization that, oh shit, this world isn't just. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, our enemies will be punished later after God comes and fixes everything. Yeah. And that's sort of the beginning of the development of that, like, 
punishment in the afterlife. Yes. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, also, early Christians, or at least the early proto-Orthodox Christians, I don't mean proto-Eastern Orthodox, I mean proto-Orthodox and not weird heretics, mm-hmm. um, believed in a resurrection at the end of time. A physical resurrection at the end of time. Mm-hmm. Not one that happened immediately after you died. Like, you died and you died for, you know, however long it took for Jesus to come back And then up. on Judgment Day, then yeah, get to rise which, again. Yeah. yeah, which was happening real soon. Yes, that's true. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm looking through this, and... Okay, I want to talk about, like, Jesus being cult leadery a little bit yeah. more. Um... And then I want to talk about Jesus the Exorcist. Because I think a lot of people don't realize how much time he spends fucking doing exorcisms. So much time. It's kind of his main thing in the Synoptic Gospels. Yeah. And it's interesting because in John, he heals sort of like sickness. Yeah. But he doesn't really do any exorcism. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It's weird. So... Here we have, um, let's see, Matthew mm-hmm. 8.21. Yes. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Which is kind of cold. Just a touch. Um, and my interpretation of the meaning of that is like, well, you know, your father wasn't a follower of mine, and the rest of your family aren't following me, so they're all, yeah. you know, spiritually dead and going to hell, and, you know, fuck them. Yep. Which is, you know, screwy. And weird. And weird. Um, he also does a lot of, like, sending his disciples yeah. out with, like, one set of clothing, yep. and, like, no money, and no nothing. Yep. Which is kind of, like, a weird enforced asceticism that's, like... Yeah. I don't know. It it rubs me wrong. And to be fair, mm-hmm. some of the cult leadery seeming stuff is because, you know, literal cult leaders have copied Jesus. Yes. But also, in copying Jesus, they've kind of exposed that this stuff tends to get a little fucked up. It gets a little... <laughs> I mean, you keep somebody on a low-protein diet and take them away from their social group. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good way to get them conforming to your wishes. Also, a couple of other things. That quote where it's like, if you don't hate your, you know... Oh, yeah, yep. Mother, father, husband, wife, sisters, brothers. Actually, I have this right here. Perfect, read it aloud. Uh, Matthew, uh, let's see, 10, 34. Yep. Kind of long, but this is worth it. Yep. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much like, fuck your family, fuck everything except faith. Yep. Um, you know, murderdom is good. Yep. Trying to, you know, self-preservation is bad. Yep. Um, there's also a passage that I don't have in front of me right now. Yeah. But, um, there's a moment earlier on when, um, there's like a bunch of people listening to Jesus. Yeah. And, um. His mom tries to come up and say hi. Yep. And someone's like, your your family's trying to talk to you. And Jesus yeah. is like, you are all my family. Which is kind of nice, but it's also creepy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like. Yep. Kind of a, you know. It's like, it seems like a sweet sentiment, but then I'm kind of just like, oh. Yeah. I mean, there have been ways that one has been interpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, if I recall, it's like, my mother is the keeper of the law or something or god's word i believe and so it's like either mary keeps the law really well or it's Mm, like yeah that's that's not what i recall from this translation okay yeah 
Um, or it was, I think it was more like, well, the way it was translated in this one, I think it was, was all that keep God's word. Yes. Okay. So it didn't sound so much like, oh yeah, Mary's awesome. Yeah. It was more like. Well, I think that that was yeah. a piece of apologetics. That works. Okay. Um, because apologia are a big part of Christian theology. Mm-hmm. For reasons. Um, oh, here's another part that's yeah. pretty nasty. Yes. Um, so this is Matthew eleven twenty one through 24. Yes. Um, he's talking about cities where he's come and like done miracles and shit. Yeah. But the cities are still, you know, not repenting. And yeah. by repentance, we mean accepting Jesus. Yep. So he says... Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida? I have no idea. Yeah. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for me. I probably mispronounced a bunch of those cities, but the point is he's comparing these cities that he's gone to and performed his miracles mm-hmm. in, but, you know, they didn't kiss his ass enough or whatever, yep. to these cities, you know, pretty much in the Old Testament that get just totally destroyed. <laughs> yep. Um, which is a little creepy. Yep. Also, you know what else is creepy? The, like, whole pack of, like, unnamed women followers. Mm, mm. Also, the thing where, like, you know, that one repentant woman, like, is bending down and washing his feet with her hair. Like, that That's that gives me Manson vibes. And obviously Manson had a boner for a weird fucked up racist murder interpretation of jesus (laughs) but um yeah he he it's 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 weird oh by the way i just found the uh the passage about his mother and brethren yes good which sounds like he has siblings he does it's something people don't want to talk about very much yeah anyway um so Yes. Uh, fucking Matthew twelve forty seven. Yes. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. So yeah, it sounds like those apologetics were kind I of know. like I know this is King James. It might not be the best translation, but it's kind of hard for me to imagine yeah. how that got that well, far we, off track. We'll you know what? We'll check mm-hmm. it on Bible Gateway and put it in corrections corner if we have it wrong. That's true. Um, <sighs> but what was I going to say? I was also going to say that. <sighs> um, oh, Jesus and Jesus's siblings is something mm-hmm. that's actually helped, like heavily dealt with in some non-canonical gospels Mm -hmm. in like apocrypha that aren't considered heretical um mostly in the infancy gospels because there's this idea that like joseph was way older than mary and had kids from a previous marriage and so jesus's siblings are step siblings because mary's perpetual virginity is a thing at least Mm -hmm. in the catholic church Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but, yeah, there are also ones where Jesus has a twin brother. Mm, that's weird. Yes. Well, I mean, if we're talking about Jesus' family, which is kind of a backtracky thing, yeah. then we should talk about the weirdly different genealogies of yes. Jesus. Yes. Because what, like, really kind of confused me... Yes. Um, ...is at the beginning... Do-do-do. Yeah. So, at the beginning of the gospel, according to Matthew, yep. they give you this long fucking list of begats, yep. um, tracing, you know, Jesus, um, you know, from Abraham 
to David and then to Jesus. Yeah. Except that this is Joseph's genealogy. Yes. And Joseph is, you know, kind of pointedly not his bio dad. Yes. So what the fuck? Yep. Um, again, there are <laughs> weird politico-theological reasons for the uh-huh. genealogies, which is, so the Messiah was supposed to come from the line of David, mm-hmm. um, and the line apparently matters Yeah. in the paternal line, and of course, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. when God's your dad, David can't be your granddad. Mm. Um, but, uh, so that's why that's slipped in there. Um, also, like, Matthew especially is very much concerned with showing Jesus to be the Messiah in accordance with the prophecy of the Old Testament. And so that's why he has him, like, um, you know, flee to Egypt to avoid Herod's, Mm -hmm. like, killing all the babies. Yeah, I mean, they're all kind of into trying to make sure it fits with that prophecy thing. But Matthew extra. Yeah, totally. It just... Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah. It, it is, and the genealogies contradict one another because Luke and Matthew had... Both had Mark as a source, mm-hmm. and both are theorized to have the weird sayings gospel cue that has never been found, but is postulated to exist because of the mm-hmm. material in both. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, they didn't have each other, and so they are contradictory. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yes. So, do you mind if we take a quick break? Not at all. And we are back from our brief, our beef break. No, our brief break. Yes. No, on our break we cooked and ate an entire roast beef. I wish that was true. Yes. I could, I could use some beef right now. Um. (laughs) Yeah, no, you need red meat to get through dealing with Jesus and his annoying ascetic bullshit. Jesus and his fuckery. Yep. Um, okay, before you make your, uh point about um aesthetic fuckery yes i just i kind of want to say um this is like petty but i just really get annoyed by jesus talking about how he's god all the time yeah um now in some of the synoptic gospels there's kind of this funny pattern where like at first, he's performing all these miracles, but he's kind of trying to be a little hush-hush about it. Yeah. And not, like, get too much attention. Yeah. And it almost becomes this, like, out-of-control celebrity thing where yeah. there's these crowds around Jesus such that he can barely do anything. Yep. Um, and that's kind of funny. But by the time we get to John, yeah. Jesus is just, like, every other thing he says is, like, I am my own dad. Yes. Um, and thus, I am the best. Did we talk about the the moving the when Jesus became God? Yes, we, we did. did. Okay, we did. We yeah. That. So totally. Yeah. Um. By the time we're in John, Jesus is God and has always been God uh, from the yeah. beginning of time and before that because God preexists time. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, quick, quick sample. Yeah. So John. Yeah. Fourteen ten. This is just kind of at random. It's just totally typical, though. Yeah. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also do, and the greater works, blah, blah, blah. He just goes on and on. It's very repetitive here. Yes. I'm my dad. My dad is me. My dad is in me. That sounds kind of weird. I'm my own grandpa. I am also my own grandson. It's like a hall of mirrors. It just extends in every direction. Yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So... Yes. That's... Which is... 
kind of a, a less sympathetic Christ to me. Yeah. Even than the Christ of the Synoptic Gospels. Yes. Because I, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I do kind of feel some empathy for him when he's trying to go through the crucifixion. Yeah. And he's got that whole let this cup pass for me prayer. And then there's the, you know, oh God, yeah. oh God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. You know, that's kind of human and relatable. Um, I think in John, he just says it is finished. Yeah. After asking for something to drink, not really because he's thirsty, but because it needs to fulfill the prophecy. <laughs> Of course. Of and then course. he's just like, okay, it's cool. I'm out. Yep. Um. <laughs> yep. Well, that's done. Yeah, you that's know, done. He, he had like a checklist. It, really, towards the end of John, it feels like a checklist <laughs> of like prophecies. Yep. Like that's why he needs... I never really understood why the centurion just like stabs him in the side with a spear. Yep. But apparently that had to happen because of the prophecy. Yep. So this guy just like randomly, pointlessly like jabbing jesus, jesus yeah so, and you know yeah i'm just imagining jesus like setting that up beforehand like, i'm gonna get crucified you know i'm gonna give you you know whatever how many shekels yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so that you'll just you have to stab me i know it sounds weird but you gotta stab me i won't be mad no i i, I won't be mad at all just stab it, me. it might be good if you like catch it in a cup that people can become obsessed with for centuries yeah <laughs> or tell people you caught it in a cup or you know maybe people will just make up the cup that would yeah, be cool that's, that's fine don't worry about the cup too much <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. incidentally that's how we feel about grail lore <laughs> yes um so you know there's that um mm -hmm. and I, yeah just ugh. yeah so you had some commentary on jesus and poverty yes which okay so I understand this from the perspective of, like, a tiny group, a tiny Jewish sect in the Roman Empire, especially after the fall of the Second Temple, mm -hmm. um, where it feels like your conditions are horrible and in this world there is nothing you can do to alleviate them. But Jesus is very much like, give up your money, become poor, yeah, give some alms, but the point isn't to, like, make the world better in this life the point is entirely to prepare for like death basically mm -hmm. um and so it's not about resistance it's about accepting this world and ignoring this world as much as you possibly can <laughs> pretty much so that you can die and go to heaven where everything will be fixed yes and fuck that in which case also it's almost like the existence of oppression and suffering kind of makes you better yes so like it's actually kind of good that people are victimizing you because yeah you're gonna go to heaven well i mean it's that thing where like the early christians loved martyrdom it was the only way they could come yes <laughs> it was the only way they were allowed to come probably <laughs> possibly i don't know um, continue well depending on what sect you were in <laughs> Paul says it's okay to get married if you just can't. You just can't help it. Yeah, you just really need to. You're like, I can't really stay chaste otherwise. Or, well, you can't stay chaste at all. But... Yeah. Well, it's slightly more chaste. Yeah, basically, it's better than, like... Fucking everyone. Or fucking outside of marriage at all. Yeah. Um, but... I saying um yeah no they were seriously into martyrdom like someone uh, is it a Pauline letter but someone had to write a letter to be like could you stop like turning yourselves into the cops because <laughs> like and of course I mean now I'm not saying the Roman pagans were lovely sweet good gentle people because Rome was an empire and empires, as a general rule, are a little shitty. Mm -hmm. um, and Romans did have some pretty fucking draconian punishments. Yep. Witness the cross, yep. among other things. Uh, you know, their treatment of women, not great. They had slavery, not great. Um, you know, Rome, Roman morality was bad. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I can justifiably say that. But... They did really try... With Christians, like, well, if you don't feel comfortable sacrificing an animal, 
or saying a prayer or just like, you know, what if you light a little incense for the emperor? You don't even have to say he's a god. Just, you know, he's the emperor. It's fine. And Christians would pretty much be like, nope, get myself martyred because I'll go straight to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, monasticism was invented when Christians were having trouble getting themselves martyred. Oh, really? Yeah. Basically, it was like, you know, oh, there are all these converts now that the emperor's converted and they just want to, like, live lives like normal human beings. And I'm hardcore, so I'm going to go to the desert and live alone in a cave and eat next to nothing and definitely not come. Um, <laughs> and it'll be, like, a living martyrdom. Okay. And so, like, Jesus fundamentally, like, Jesus the Christ, not necessarily Jesus the man, though the Essenes were pretty hardcore in their asceticism, mm-hmm. um, loves suffering, is really hardcore into suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's... Which is kind of weird, though, because in a way the point is to escape suffering after death. Yeah. Um, I have this uh, passage in Mark pulled up. Yeah. Because I forgot about it and then I saw it and I was like, oh, this yeah. is a goodie. Um, yeah. So, let's see, we're Mark 9.43. Yes. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, Lock it. You get the point, right? I, I get the idea. Yeah. So um, we're we're basically just mutilating ourselves, so that we don't <laughs> so that we don't go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> but what if I'm a Christian and I just believe so much in suffering that I want to go to hell just to prove how deeply Christian I am? I mean, I kind of maybe know a couple of weird alleged Satanists who basically are that. And I don't really know what to say to them. I know you were making a joke, but sadly, I, I kind of know people like that. Um, <laughs> in terms of what to say to them, party on, dudes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> your kink is not my kink, but your kink is okay. That yeah. might make them mad. That might make them ba- mad. I think back away slowly is where I'm at with that one. Or, you know, actually, if you want to be nice, just tell them to go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mm. But, yeah, so they really are into suffering, which, at least to me, if you're someone who has experienced forms of oppression of various sorts, if you've been poor, Mm -hmm. if you have actually had to suffer being told you know what that's great Mm -hmm. you shouldn't change that because that is what makes you like good fuck it fuck not resisting fuck passivity Mm -hmm. and fuck accepting injustice because i get to feel like a weird sense of smug moral superiority yeah and of course, like prosperity gospel won't even let them have that. So, fair enough. Yeah, no, that Protestant work ethic. If you're poor, you're sinful. That's fucking weird. And also, just like read your goddamn Bibles. You're supposed to be Bible-based, you dicks, but you're not. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people like to claim, like, well, I'm not interpreting the Bible. You read any text, you're interpreting it, and you're reading. You know, if you're reading all four of the Gospels and trying to believe that they are all literally true at the same time, good luck with that. And also, you are still interpreting them because you're trying to figure out what they meant by mm-hmm. what they said in, you know, first century Palestine or mm-hmm. actually, no, the 
Gospels were written in Greek, so they were probably written mm-hmm. elsewhere. Though, who knows where? Who uh, the fuck knows? No one's sure. Um, but in any case, the point is that with Christianity, it is always a work of theology and interpretation. If you think it's not, you're lying to yourself mm-hmm. real hard. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, I really think that all of this, like... The more you realize how apocalyptic it is, the yeah. more it makes sense to not really try to fix the injustice. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, we're gonna die in like five minutes. Yeah. We, we need a, you don't, I don't think we need a new aqueduct. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know. I, maybe. Pray. Yeah. Pray and, you know, stand on a hillside screaming about Jesus. Maybe wear some Nikes. Drink some Kool-Aid. An option. Too soon? Nah. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of where it's at. Like, it's seriously apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, I totally understand why you would be apocalyptic in that period. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, apocalyptic literature was huge around then and before then. Yes. Um, because being a Jew was pretty shitty at the time. Yeah, no, I mean, frankly, the temple officials were very Hellenized Mm -hmm. and ran things in a fairly authoritarian, shitty way. You know, you could escape to the desert and be an Essene. Mm -hmm. You could kind of try and tread a middle road, but it was, it was not, it was not great. Yeah, it was tricky. It was tricky and hard to figure out. Um, you, You know, you're kind of living under occupation and yeah it's it's living under occupation is sucky yeah that's a lesson i think we can take away from this yeah we we can we can give that much to jesus yep except that he's also kind of like it's not actually that sucky because we're all gonna die we're all gonna die and go to the kingdom of heaven and you know yeah no yay (laughs) which i mean if you feel helpless and you feel hopeless, mm-hmm. having the hope of that, I would imagine, would be very comforting. Because, admittedly, at the time, you're a small country and you're pretty sure you're not going to beat the Roman Empire. And then after the fall of the Second Temple, when you tried to beat the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and got the shit kicked out of you, being like, well, God still loves us. He just, you know, is going to need some time, a little mm-hmm. bit of time. Yeah. Um, would be, yeah, immensely comforting. Well, yeah, to just be like, oh, well, things are getting kind of fucked up now because the end is nigh and the wicked are going to be punished and, you know. Any second now. Yeah, yeah. Any second Um, now. Yes, I'm actually, uh, fuck it. I don't think I'm going to find the passage right now. Yeah, though, of course, actually, because the Gospels are written after the fall of, mm-hmm. or at least some of them, I think. I know John is. Mark might be before, but I'm bad at dates. Yeah. Um, And also, the dating of the Gospels is, of course, wildly, tricky. Yeah. Yeah, wildly unclear. Um, But he prophesies the fall of the temple because, like, he's going to be killed and that's going to, like, cause the Romans to destroy the temple. Yeah. Um. Which, again, probably, you know, if you're a member of the small Christian sect and you're, you know, you're a Jewish sect, Mm -hmm. believing, like, the temple fell because people fucked us specifically over. Yeah. Also probably comforting. And so I get it. Yep. It's just that when you transfer that belief to a totally different context, it becomes kind of a problem. Yeah, it gets really shitty. Yeah. Really fast. And, I mean, even if you consider it in context, what it feels instead of, it, it's really sad is what mm-hmm. it is. It's depressing. It's, you know, the, it's a, you know, sense of immense hopelessness in a sense of, like, well, you know, our only hope is this vengeful God, yeah. basically. And yeah. that's, it's a sense of hopelessness and helplessness, and it's sad. Here, I found one of the citations yes. I was looking for. Yes. Um, this is Mark thirteen thirty. Yes. Um, Jesus has just been talking about the apocalypse, basically. Yes. And then he says, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. 
Yep. So it was literally a in our lifetimes yep. thing. Um, and then, you know, of course it kept not happening and... They kept moving it around. It kept keep moving around and then you've got 2,000 or so years of Christians trying to figure out when the apocalypse is coming and who the Antichrist is, which yep. got really funny. Oh, we should do a fucking Antichrist episode yes, next we should. time. Yes, we should. Yeah, do the Jesus episode, then the Antichrist That's episode. That's perfect. It's I love it. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you get the whole that. Yeah. And it's a thing. And, actually, one thing I do want to just mm-hmm. um, kind of point out is the sort of the Judaisms you get after the fall of the Second Temple mm-hmm. um, are Christianity, weirdly. And what we is a lot more like modern Judaism, which is rabbinic mm-hmm. Judaism, which has the lack of cent- centralized authority and the kind of universal priesthood, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. That's why you get that academic, everybody reads and studies the Torah, and studying the Torah is an act of devotion that replaces temple sacrifice. Nice. And I just, I feel like that was a better direction. And kind of a one that, to me at least, had more of a sense of hope, really. Yes. There isn't isn't a hell of a lot of hope in this, unless you are the kind of person who can really get off on that whole heaven thing. Yeah. Which I'm just not. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, (laughs) you know, I, I can do delayed gratification, but... Delayed gratification with harps and clouds, maybe not so much? Not so much. Also, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not really so into an afterlife with no boning. Yeah, no boning and nothing really ever happening much. And Yeah, just... all of the fun stuff is gone. Yeah. And also, like, I have, like, I haven't gotten a vision of heaven and so I don't even know that's going to happen. And also, I don't know, it, it, it really does sound very dull. Like, eternity in ecstasy because I'm, you know, like, jizzing myself because I'm looking at the face of God. But I'm never allowed to feel like I deserve to see the face of God. Yeah. It's a gift. Not my thing. That's Not the afterlife weird. I'm into. That's really weird. Throw me into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, what else do you want to kind of try and cover? I think we're... I mean, we're... Getting pretty close to time here. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's most of it. I mean, I, we can do stuff on Apocrypha later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some of the Apocryphal Gospels are really fun. Yeah, no, I mean, there's the one where, like, Jesus causes a kid to wither. Oh. Wait, yes, do, do the fig tree. Okay, the fucking fig tree. This is not even... I don't even really have a coherent theological argument to get about this, other than, dude, chill. So basically, yeah, um, right around Mark uh, 11, 13, uh, Jesus is kind of hungry, and he sees a fig tree, and he goes up to it, and it doesn't have any fruit. And it mentions, for the time of figs was not yet. It's just not in season, bruh. But Jesus freaks out and he says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And, uh, yeah, then it fucking, like, dries up from the roots, as it was described. He just fucking withers the fig tree for not having fruit on it. When it's out of season. When it's out of season. It's just random. Yep. Just fucking random as hell. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus is one of those people who won't stop buying, like, out-of-season peaches. Apparently, yeah. Even though, like, they suck and are too expensive. And then he gets mad and curses them. And makes them wither. Yeah. Yeah, there's the apocryphal gospel where he makes a schoolmate wither. (laughs) Um, You know, he does a lot of withering. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. You could say he had a withering glance. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. So, cult leader, probably. 
more passive than passive resistance. Um, though maybe not so much him, but the people he was advising, certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know... Fetishizing poverty and murderdom. Yep. Uh, kind of being an apocalyptic wingnut. Yep. Um, and really just... Like, he's not, like, an enlightened, timeless guy. He's kind of more of a... Very of his time. Yeah, he's a deeply religious dude of his time at best, and a wacko cult leader at worst. Pretty much. Yep. And given the, like, fuck your family, uh, fuck yeah. your possessions, fuck the world, nothing matters except me and my teachings... I'm going a little bit with Wacko Cult Leader. Yep. Plus Fig Tree. Yep. Fucking Fig Tree. I didn't even fucking get into, like, Jesus and Demons. Fuck. And Jesus and Satan. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of okay with saving that. We could do, for... a, we could do a two-parter. I don't think I have quite enough material on just Jesus the Exorcist for a two-parter. But if we talk about exorcism, then we can start. Yeah, that's a good idea. Jesus. So we'll do Antichrist and then exorcisms. My name is Legion. Yes, dear. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, I I don't know what got into me. (laughs) It's uh, one of my seven devils. Seven. My. Um, Well, that's that's how many Mary Magdalene had. So now it's very stylish. Oh, devils. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> you know you gotta okay um so i think we need a backwards message we do need a backwards message hmm let me see uh do you have one i do okay wait okay all right yeah till next time hail satan hail satan this has been speak of the devil po- official podcast of the first church of the morning star the theme music is as always by electric mirrors please check them out on Bandcamp. <laughs>